0: Hey everybody, this is Jeff Friedman, welcome to my podcast, where we talk about improv comedy, the history of Jewish humor, and the role of trauma in comedy. On today's episode we have Dr. Jeff Katzman, who's actually a practicing psychiatrist, but on top of that he is a dedicated student of improv, he's been doing it for many many years, and he's written about it too. He's co-author of the book Life Unscripted, which actually just came out on September 11th of this year. And it's basically a how-to guide to using the principles of improv to improve the quality of your life. I actually met Jeff giving one of my tours for the admissions office at Pomona College, and he's been so nice to do the interview with me and to help me with my podcast in so many other ways as well. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the interview, and here's Jeff Katzman. So I know a lot of Jews that are doctors, and I know a lot of Jews that, uh, you know, continue comedy um, into their careers, but I don't know a lot who do both, and I'm wondering if um, you've come across, you know, a lot of people like you who have um, continued to do two things like that.
1: Um trying to think not, not so much. And I mean, and I, and I can sort of recognize Jewish, Jewish comedy. I myself don't, I don't think I'm very funny. Um, (laughs) I think I'm, I'm, I'm very involved with, um, the idea of improvisation and and what improv has to offer in terms of helping people have an experience of existing in the moment. Um, which we often don't do. Um, and I, I know that it, it can be that. Yeah. So, um,
0: you know, when you were younger, who were some of the people um, you were looking up to, you know, would you say um, you were looking up to a lot of doctors um, or scientists or, um, you know, did you used to ever watch Whose Line Is It Anyway? Or were you looking up to any, you know,
1: improvisers or entertainers in general? Yes, I was not looking up to doctors. I guess my grandfather was a doctor. No, sorry, sorry, my great-grandfather. Otherwise, there are no doctors in my family. Everyone um, really, um, well, on my father's side of the family, was historically involved in film. Um and Hollywood and sort of production, and, and although I wasn't um, I think I don't know when whose line is it is started. Um, I, I think predated it a little bit okay. in, of um doing improv because there were some people I was doing it with who wound up on this show yeah huh. wow. and, and, uh, yeah, so i I think who I looked up to, though, what I thought I wanted to do was I wanted to be a writer. Okay. Like in my whatever, eighth grade, um, what do you want to be when you grow up sort of project. It was about being a screenwriter. And so I interviewed like the writers of The Love Boat and sort of some of those comedies. And that was my mm-hmm. passion is I was going to write. Um, but that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Were um, any, oh, sorry. Yeah. Were any of them Jewish? Any of those Love Boat writers? I don't think so. Or, or it was not in, not in my consciousness, not,
0: not in my consciousness. So in terms of your name, I think Katzman sounds pretty Jewish to me. And I want to ask if you see your name as, you know, playing a central role in your identity um, as a Jew or as a doctor or, you know, as someone who does improv or in any of those categories.
1: So um, I have a, and a writer, and as a writer, so I have a, an interest in my grandfather, um, from my father's father, who was very um, involved in in film, um, and made sort of it was called King of the Bees, and and really made a lot of was involved in sort of pop genre, whatever whatever was popular and happening in the world. He was making really a movie about that. Um, so I, I have like through him, through my father and his involvement in the whole Hollywood world, um, I have a connection to Hollywood through my name, um, as their son and grandson and, um, growing up around it, um, to, it to like a certain extent. Although when I was little, um, uh, my father was, um, not involved with Hollywood and it sort of was, it really didn't become part of our lives until later, until I was much older. But I was, um, so I would say that's how my name I associate to, um, I, I guess, entertainment. Okay. And then I have, um, I think Katzman comes from the Cohen tribe um, and, and there's some thing about being a healer um, hmm. and, something rabbinic in that um, in that tribe uh, that I think about, I think about what, um, how far does, like where does really becoming a psychiatrist come from? And, and is that sort of part of a Jewish lineage? You no, know, it is a Jewish lineage in terms of like Freud and many, uh, many psychoanalysts in Los Angeles where I grew up were Jewish. Hmm. So um Can you tell me a little bit
0: about uh, your coming together with the world of improv in particular and, you know, um, your first encounters with it? And would you say that you kind of found improv or did improv kind of seek you out in a way?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I was pretty... um, um, I was pretty stressed out because I was an intern at Harbor general in Los Angeles, which is a very busy hospital that's run by the interns and residents primarily. Back then it was the responsibilities were big. So working very, very hard. Um, And like I said, there was no one in my family that had ever been a doctor other than my great grandfather that I didn't know. So medicine, I didn't grow up with like medicine around the dinner table or the lingo or like, what is NPO or BID or any, where a lot of people like knew that I, it was not who I was. I was much more involved with, um, entertainment and wanting to write growing up. Um, and then, so, so I think I was an intern and I went to a show of second city that had moved to Los Angeles. They started a West coast branch. I went to the show and I was so happy to be watching improvisation. And there was something about being in the moment that looked so alive enlivening to me. And then my friend asked me, he dared me to audition for this school that they were creating. And and um I think he got that I was a little interested and and I didn't even really know him that well. This guy Raj was a radiologist, and he, and so I went and I went and I think there were 200 people in a line auditioning for the second city school that they had just opened or were opening. This was going to be the first cadre. And uh, they had us do five minutes of auditions of little improv games, one called Hitchhiker and um, sort of some classic Spolin games. And I, I got a call the next day that I was in, I had made it. And... Uh, I would be in level one. And I think that 200 people, all 200 probably made it. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> And I wrote a check for probably, I don't know, a hundred bucks or whatever it was. And I think I was a little bit, um, but I felt really happy that I was going to learn this. And then uh, my little group that I learned with, um, we we became a little bit of a family, supported me through through residency. And we had a teacher for a long time. Her name was Mina Kolb and she became um, really a model of how to live in the moment, how to get curious and interested in something that's right in front of you. Um, and those are skills I wasn't really learning necessarily in medicine or, or going so fast studying for these classes that were hard for me and MCATs and science didn't come naturally. So it was very, um, very inspiring to me to be with her.
0: Yeah. So, you know, would you say that as a psych- a psychiatrist, you're improvising often. Um, and I, I wanted to ask in the sense of, you know, to what extent um, do you go into meeting with the patient, um, kind of having an idea of, you know, where the appointment's going to go, um, but also in the sense of this in the moment aspect?
1: Yeah, so um pretty much i um, I'm in the moment. Um, and, and I feel like it's, one of the most important skills that anybody who's gonna ever do therapy learns how to do um because it's really what we're all looking for i think is actually an experience of being authentically alive in the in a moment connected to another person and learning how we regulate with each other and how we um mutually influence each other and respond to each other so if you look at um videos of a mother infant gazing there's a, a very famous um paradigm done created by ed tronic at the university of massachusetts and he you watch as the mother gazes at the infant and they mutually go back and forth influencing each other smiling the baby smiles a little the mother smiles more they're really accepting and over accepting offers and they're building something and we're talking about like a three-month-old so i, f- I feel like it's part of our life Um, that is lost. And, and and then what happens is in the, in the paradigm, the mother's asked to not respond and you see what happens to the baby and the the baby just decompensates and can't actually handle the stress. It's very treacherous to watch. Um, And it's on YouTube, um, it's widely available, the still face experiment. And it's um, lots and lots of research connected with the still face and, and how important um, mutual gaze is. And so um, I, I think, Lots, most people don't have sufficient experience of being seen um, and connected with somebody. And I, I think a, a fundamental part of therapy is actually being seen and experiencing um, uh, existing in a moment with somebody. And those rules in the that experience in the still face sort of mirrors the rules of improv. Like the mother and baby are really saying yes and to each other and building something in a collaborative way. As opposed to when she has a still face and she's sort of saying, "But yes, but," and or, or "No," or not accepting the offer. Um, So it just seems so built into what we need. And 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 um, another guy, Jack um, Pangsap, talks about seven systems of need, and one of them is to play, which we don't really get to do as grown-ups. So it's also for me offered not improv is really offered a, a play space. Hmm. That's fascinating.
0: Uh, do you? So,
1: yeah. Oh no, you can go. Yeah. So I don't know if I answered. I, so I would say when, when I'm talking to somebody, I, I know who they are and I know what's happening. I'm prepared to like to enter, enter their world. And I, um, but I never know what's going to walk, walk in the door. So if I, what somebody's going through. So I'm um, just like um, when I, when I'm seeing somebody, I don't know um from week to week what I would bring in. And so mm-hmm. I think, If a therapist is just locked into what they're expecting, how something is going to go, then it will never be a very authentic, real experience. Hmm. And I think that improv is one of the greatest ways, um, just even even a few classes, I think, is really one of the greatest ways to actually um, experience being present. Yeah.
0: Do would you say that, um, you know, working alongside Jews? your creative process, uh, operates any differently, you know, whether that's, um, doing improv or writing in a collaborative environment, um, you know, any kind of writing, would you say that that process is different for you among Jews as it is among non-Jews?
1: Um, yeah, probably. Um, uh, you know, I don't know why probably easier with non-Jews. Huh. Um, and I, I don't know what that is. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's uh, I. I in a certain like it almost reminds like. Um, I was in Africa once um, for for a few months, and I, I was um, there were a lot of ways that I was sort of learning to play with um, play with ideas and. Uh, um, learning to laugh and create things with people in a completely other culture. And there's a certain way in which it's um, sometimes almost easier to do that than mm. with somebody who's got your own sort of background heritage and defensive ex- structures or whatever. Um, and mm. so some, I, I think maybe when somebody's just like or, or their background's more similar, you can step on each other's feet a little more maybe in, in the creative process maybe. I don't know. Yeah, wow. I grew up um you know, I grew up in a really Jewish neighborhood, okay um, I didn't really know non jews uh, maybe one or two in my class, and we moved um we moved from west l a to Albuquerque, and the Jewish community is not at all the same, so like our kids are the one or two Jewish kids in a classroom hmm. very, very different. so I'd say like the last twenty years since we've been here, I haven't really been so part of a Jewish community other than there are a lot of Jewish doctors and Jewish psychiatrists in our department. Okay. Um, but I, but so my, I just guess my, my most recent 20 years of experience has been outside of Jewish traditions.
0: Do you, would you say that um, Jewish humor is specifically psychologically dark compared to, um, other comedic traditions that you're familiar with?
1: Um, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 um, I guess what I would think about it is there are, there's a shared darkness to Judaism, um, and, and difficult things to tolerate, um, that, have, that have happened. Um, and sometimes, uh, community and heritage that's more centered around that than actually sort of what our synagogue is right now is much more about sort of spiritual like renewal and spirit. Um, and, and I think the shared um, traumatic past of the Jewish people becomes, um, a a place where, um, so humor provides some, some levity to something that's I think difficult to get your head and heart around. Hmm.
0: To what extent, Um, can you, or maybe just any, um, psychiatrist or therapist make jokes with patients? Um, and, you know, I guess, do your sessions themselves ever become
1: ironic? Like, will you ever poke fun at therapy? Yes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, well, so in terms of like, um, uh, what they would call like classic defense mechanisms. Um, humor is seen as among the highest, um, with, with altruism. Um, and, and so I think being able to be humorous with a patient or myself as a patient being humorous with my analyst, um, is, a. is, um, sort of a high level experience, I guess, um, mirroring that, that mother infant gaze, um, like we're really building something together. And if we crack some jokes, you know, it's, it's not the usual thing that happens in therapy, but if, when it does, I think there is a a certain connection that humor, humor can bring. And certainly, um, with, with friends and colleagues, Mm. um, it's a way to actually, uh, deal with difficult circumstances sometimes.
0: Um is improv something you or colleagues uh you know would prescribe to a patient um uh, maybe you know to some- I have,
1: Yeah I actually um I have started to talk to people about it as a way um to work with social anxiety as a way to actually feel um a, a sense of play and spontaneity in life um or people who are really um naturally playful people anyway um but but actually they suffer because the world's not necessarily a playful place. Um, improv groups are a place where um, a community of play is built. So I think people benefit um, from that. I don't like to perform. Like I, I'm not, I, I almost, it's not what I'm there for. It, I really like to we'll take improv class after improv class because it helps me stay in a more playful place. And then I bring that experience to work. I bring it um, into my life and my family much more um, than when I'm not improvising. So, um, and, but I think once you, once you start performing, something different happens once there's an audience and a, um, in a subjective space that it's probably more of a talent to stay connected to the people, um, in your, in your group and continue to improvise, um, when, when the stakes are higher. So it's
0: much more than just a simple comedic release because I guess you can get that by being in an audience or even you know watching a movie that you think is really funny, but um, it's the community aspect and the aspect of being in the moment and creating something together
1: right for me it's um if, if it's comedy, that's good, but also whatever happens if there's something just about being um real and spontaneous that's actually therapeutic uh, for me um, even if it winds up becoming a scene about grief or a scene about, uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm assuming. Oh, then I would say, I, I, I'd say though, like personally, I've, I've struggled a little bit in recent improv class <clears throat> that was built more on um, the Napier um, um, UCB stuff uh, because it's, um, I think there are formula more comedic formulas or it's a, more about finding the game. Um, and for me, I, I've never, so that's new to me a little bit. Um, hmm. I've never really thought about finding the game. I've just always been in, intrigued to be able to find the moment. Uh, so it's much more yeah. about connecting spontaneous for me than it is about finding like a comedic game. Like that's, it's, it's interesting, but I think yeah. that's more in the territory of professional improv comedians of which i'm not um
0: i've been trying to find the game for two years and i'm not sure if i found it once you know yeah
1: (laughs) yeah it's a whole kind of thing um
0: Um, you know i'm assuming that uh when you say you know you've recommended improv to patients um that that is something you would use to supplement therapy and medication as opposed to replacing one or both
1: of them of course right okay In the same way that um, yoga can be really helpful, that meditation can be really helpful, um, and and connecting with a therapist can be extremely helpful, um, because you actually have somebody there who can help you develop um, um, like mind sight or to to mentalize and understand um, how the current moment is being impacted by the past um, and expectations about the future. Uh, But but I think experiences with improv are, it's one of the few places where you actually are invited to exist in the moment, unless you're really (laughs) trying to find the game, which I think takes you out of the moment. Yeah. A little bit,
0: you know, so I see humor really as a way of coping with pain, tragedy, and even, you know, personal or collective trauma. And I'm wondering if you think Jews specifically, or really any group of people specifically, you know, use, improv or comedy as a coping mechanism um, or is it more complicated than that
1: the difference so like i could never be a stand-up comedian um, because that's a intra-psychic kind of experience i'm going to perform for an audience um and there's no magic to it. Um, There's no magic that's going to come because it's, it's off a script. So uh, I guess the coping part of it would be my reworking of, of an event Um, and my finding the humor of it. There's because there's like a difference between humor that's like rehearsed and I'm, I'm creating something that's ultimately very funny and humor that's just coming because it's coming out of nothing. Um, question is the question is is it coping
0: Is it coping, and is it is it sought out you know i I asked you earlier hmm. um if you think you found improv or if improv kind of found you, so I guess in that sense I'm curious too you know, do people, I mean, I'm not saying somebody sits around and they're having issues. And so they say, Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to start doing comedy, but are people's, you know, when they come to comedy, are they generally, you know, looking for a way to deal with pain?
1: Um, maybe, maybe, I, I guess I would say, um, in, in its higher form, they're, they're coming, looking for a way to connect mm-hmm. in a disconnected society. So they're looking to um, feel, coming I mean, for the audience, they're looking um, to feel part of something that's created in improvisation, mm-hmm. or they're, they're looking um, to find connection to the shared humor of the difficult human story um, through, through comedy. Um yeah, so I, I think that's ultimately what people are looking for when they come as an audience member is is to connect to something. And I, I think for a comedian, um it's it's sort of coping. I think I think it's a, a, a reworking of a narrative. Um I think I think there's a, a power in in turning something that's difficult into something that's um makes people laugh. I and, think that's I think almost medicine. And we talk so
0: much about, um, I mean, the importance of eye contact when, um, you know, doing an opening for a show or, you know, doing the actual scenes in improv. And, um, you know, I've noticed a ton just going to so many shows and, um, you know, being an audience member a lot, we're always kind of looking to like share the laugh with someone else too. Um, and, Ugh. you know, aside from just connecting with the improvisers, connecting with the people sitting next to us, even if we don't always know them.
1: Right. Yeah. Because I think there is, um, there's something here. Cure- I don't know that c- coping is, is not um, maybe a strong enough word. Cause, Cause I think there's something healing, I guess, um, about laughter and about, Um, taking a story and reworking it as as part of being healed of healed of something and um, having an experience of it being transformed and, and, and recreated into something um, with a little different meaning. Hmm. Um, I I think there's some ways in which anger can get connected to humor um, so that, um, so that there can be a release of difficult emotions connected to to humor. Um, so so i can i can tell funny jokes that are angry jokes as as a way of releasing a a kind of anger i think that's a little i guess it's always been a little less appealing to me um because it's not i'm I'm more attracted to people poking fun of their own situations and their own for whatever reason well
0: thank you jeff that's amazing and uh you know, I, I just want to ask, finally, I want to let you go because I appreciate, you know, all the time you, you give me. But um, is there, you know, are there any other must see, um, you know, names or titles that I should definitely look into when doing a project on this? And um, I mean, you know, everybody tells me Woody Allen, but, you know, I'm I'm curious, even, you know, on f- from a scientific point of view or um,
1: a- anything at all. That you would recommend? I mean, the producers is, is tremendously in the canon. Um, <laughs> it's it's in the canon because of what the bad play they were trying to make. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then it's it's in the canon um, just for me personally um, because it's so um, there's something so magical about that moment where he's an accountant and he just stands up and sings, "I want to be a producer." You know, it's, <laughs> there's something like this is what I'm going to go after in my life. Um, It has to do with people, I think, finding themselves or trying to find themselves. Wow. Um, Yeah. um, When he's going unhappy, unhappy, very, very, very unhappy. And then he's, I want to be a producer, you know, is is something quite inspirational about that song. I think. Yeah. So, um, you know, from, uh, um, I, I think, there is probably, and I don't know it, like a psychoanalytic kind of. Well, there there definitely is a a history of understanding humor as a high level defense um, with altruism, um, as opposed to like intellectual intellectualization or projection or rationalization or other other ways that people sort of deal with their feelings. Humor is always seen um, as a high level way to manage that experience and. So that probably comes from Freud. Um, I don't like. I don't actually know where that original idea came from, but that could well connect through Freud and Judaism. Well, thank um, you, Jeff. Yeah, you got it. You got it.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. That's Jeff Katzman. If you're interested in checking out his book, it's really popular on Amazon, Life Unscripted using improv principles to get unstuck, boost confidence, and transform your life. I think the stuff that he and his writing partner and longtime improv teacher Dan O'Connor are writing about is really, really cool and just really important to be talking about. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Particles, for the music, and talk to you next time, everybody.